Hey friends, welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for this time together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, individual and group coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. We all know that prayer is an important part of the life of an everyday disciple. But an awful lot of us struggle with what to pray. Our prayers often tend to stay on the surface of things. God help them, or God bless them, or God be with them. Well, in today's teaching, we're going to look at a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers and see how we can use it as a model for our own prayers. Here's Dave with Praying Below the Surface. According to the article that I read, it happened on what was to have been a routine flight between Chicago and New York. A routine flight. Boring and uneventful, my favorite kind. But this one proved to be anything but that. As he began approaching LaGuardia, the pilot uh, tried to bring down the landing gear and to his horror realized that they would not engage. Turning to his co-pilot, he asked to use the auxiliary system and to somehow lower the wheels. Again, it failed to engage. All the efforts that they tried were in vain. The pilot radioed the tower and told them the situation. He was ordered to begin circling over the Atlantic to burn off fuel. On the ground, vehicles were put into position. The tarmac was sprayed with foam. A belly landing was just moments away. At this time, the passengers were told the situation in that cheery voice the pilots always seem to be able to access. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a slight situation here. He began to explain it as, even as the attendants began making their way through, picking up cups and food and saying, fasten that seatbelt and be ready to put your head between your knees and grab your ankles. It was one of those, I can't believe this is happening to me moments. There were some screams and not a few sobs. It was an amazing thing. Finally, they began to line up for their approach. The pilot once more came to the intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, we're beginning our final approach. At this time, in accordance with the guidelines established by the FAA, it is my duty to inform you that if you believe in God, you should commence praying at this time. My guess is a lot of people commenced praying. The plane landed without incident. One has to wonder how many people got religion in that moment. You can commence prayer on any number of levels in a number of ways. There are crisis prayers. There are serenity prayers. There are public prayers. There are private prayers. There are patterned, carefully thought out prayers. There are passionate, messy prayers. You can petition for yourself. You can intercede for others. You can pray solo. You can pray in a group. But most of the time, most of the time when we pray, is it not true that we pray for felt need situations? A person needs protection, healing, guidance, provision, wisdom. And so we pray for that felt need surface issue, and rightly so. The Bible tells us we should, and many times we read in Scripture how those prayers are answered. 
But here's a question for you. Is this all that prayer was meant to be? Is this the only kind of prayer that we are to offer? Is prayer to be sort of like uh, a, a spiritual fire extinguisher behind glass with a hammer on it saying, please break in case of crisis? Or could it be this prayer at a whole different level? Call it prayer below the surface. Is prayer simply a counterpunch when you're on the ropes of life or is a way where you can lead in the battle? The Apostle Paul seems certainly to think that there was more to prayer than felt need or crisis. Now, to be sure, he was on the receiving end of those kind of prayers, and he offered those kind of prayers for his friends. But he also offered a different level of prayer, prayer below the surface. And my premise is this. What if maybe, just maybe, in the midst of all of the necessary prayer, we pray for situations that we face, what if we learn to pray at a whole different level? And what if those prayers could actually prevent the crisis before it happened? Could actually change the situation before we had to face it? Paul talks about this in multiple, multiple prayers in Scripture. I've got a cross-section for you can see by way of the screen. Look at this one, the letter Philippians. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Notice he's praying for their insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. I want you to know what's best. Not just what's good, what's best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Or this one in his letter to the Colossians. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Or this one to the church at Rome. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or listen to his friend Philemon. I pray that you might be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Do you see the difference between that level of prayer, and the love we typically offer. Again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't offer felt need prayers. Or when in crisis, we should not shoot up a prayer. But I think that there's more to it. And I think the apostle would say so as well. That is to say, what if we went beyond coping prayers to conquering prayers and truly prayed below the surface? I'm convinced that for us as individuals, as families, and a community at large, we could see an extraordinary transformation if we'd begin to add to our crisis prayers these prayers. Who knows what God might do? Who knows what crises might be averted? Who knows what situations might not have to be faced? Now, taking the time to set this up, because Paul offers one of these kind of prayers in our next installment of Ephesians. Verses 15 to 23, look how he prayed. For this reason, he says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I'm going to break this prayer down into three simple parts this morning. There's so much could be said, but for simplicity's sake, three parts, but two introductory observations you might like to make note of. Here's the first. What Paul is longing for in this people, God is longing for in us. I think we can be confident that even as Paul said, boy, I want this for you, God would say, I want this for you. He wants this for us. Second, what Paul is praying for this people we ought to pray for others. I think the apostle is setting a model here. He's showing us how to pray for our kids and our friends and our disciples. He's showing us how to pray, all right? Now, how do we break this thing down? First of all, I think as it relates to these everyday saints that he prayed for, he prayed that they would be able to understand, number one, the wonder of God's person. The wonder of God's person. Verse 17 again. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He's saying, oh man, I want you to know him better. Not just about him. I want you to really know him. I want you not only to realize who you are, but whose you are. Oh, that you could know him. Oh, that you did not have this reduced version, this caricature of God, but you could see him in all of his glory and understand that that's what he truly is like. That you would have, God would give you a spirit of wisdom. Do you see the word wisdom there in that 17th verse? Interesting, in the original language, the word wisdom is translated Sophia. So if your name happens to be Sophia, your name literally means wisdom. But I love the way it's defined here. Wisdom, Sophia, is the insight into the true nature of things. I pray that you would see him for who he really is, full of grace and truth and power and provision, predisposed to bless you. Oh, that you could know this. Oh, that you could know this. No one knew this more than one of my favorite figures in Scripture. His name was Daniel. You know the story of Daniel in the Old Testament? That's a great text. You ought to read it, especially the first half. You got this kid in chapter one, probably 13, 14 years old. He's taken hostage up to Babylon with a group of his buddies. Why? Because he's going to be brainwashed, put into positions of government so he can exercise authority over the other captives. Part of the brainwashing is to have to eat glorious food, but non-kosher. Food that it's illegal for him to eat as a Jewish boy. So all the other people are eating the food, getting fat. Here's Daniel and his buddy saying, mm-mm, not going to eat it. Then he says this to his captors. You check me out in a few weeks and see if I'm not just as healthy as everybody else. And it happens. How does a 13-year-old kid take that kind of a stand? He knew God. Later on in his life, Daniel's one of the very few who survives multiple administration changes. 
Now, as an 80-something-old man, he's now with yet another king. And a trumped-up law is put together that says, you can't pray to anybody except the king. Daniel, who's prayed his whole life, thinks, mm-mm, not going to do it. So he gets up, opens the window, and in front of God and everybody, he prays the Lord. He's arrested, and he's thrown into the lion's den. Remember the story? And God gives the lions a case of lockjaw. But you have to wonder, how is the old man able to do this? He knew his God. He knew his God. I love this verse that comes out of the book that bears his name, Daniel eleven thirty two. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. You want to be able to stand tall? You want to be able to walk straight? You want to be able to talk with confidence for Christ? You got to know God. You've got to be so shot through with the reality of who he is that you can say, as Paul did in Romans 8, 31, if God be for me, who can be against me? As the psalmist said in Psalm 118, 6, God is with me. I will not fear. What can mere man do to me? This is confidence born of one who knows God. Can you see why this could be so important for you to pray for your kids? Oh, that you would know him. Oh, that you would know there is one who will never fail you, never forsake you. There is one who will show himself strong on your behalf. I pray, I pray that my kids would come to know God that way. This is praying at a whole different level, wouldn't you say? More than, oh God, don't let them get in trouble. You're praying at a whole different level in this thing here. Is there any wonder that in his last great prayer for his disciples, Jesus said, this is eternal life, if they know you. The only true God. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will continue his message in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and then help others find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Dave DeSelm Ministries depends on the generosity of people like you. If you've been blessed by these messages, consider giving a gift to DDM. Just go to our website, davedesellministries.org, and click on the Donate button. In addition to this podcast, Dave DeSelm Ministries offers other resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as devotionals for everyday disciples. These devotionals are filled with inspiration from God's Word that will encourage you as you follow Jesus every day. Go to davedesellministries.org and you can browse through the over 150 devotionals found there. Now let's get back to Dave and the rest of today's teaching. The second prayer below the surface has to do with how they come to understand the wisdom of God's plans. The wisdom of God's plans. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Oh, that you could know that God has amazing plans for you. When I was a Christian, or became a new Christian, I was in my 20s, and uh, it was an amazing moment for me. I've told most of you my story before. One of the things I thrilled at was the idea of being forgiven, because heaven knows I had to be forgiven for an awful lot. And to have that guilt and that shame lifted off of me was like a load off my shoulders. It was wonderful. Besides that, um, to know that I didn't have to be afraid to die was huge for me. 
because I was afraid to die. But what I was concerned about was the in-between time. Okay, it's nice to be forgiven, and it's going to be great to go to heaven, but now what's this deal on earth going to be like? And I was concerned that it's really going to be a lousy time here in the interim. And then I came across a verse that many of you know as well, and it revolutionized my way of thinking about my future. The book of Jeremiah puts it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And God says to you, I've got plans for you. And they're for my glory and your good. If you really knew this, if you were convinced of this, if as you prayed for your friends, your kids, your folks, oh, that they could know that God has good plans for them, could it be that then they won't, wouldn't make such short-sighted decisions? That they wouldn't try to do shortcuts? They wouldn't get off track? Oh, that they could know the good plans God has for them. That's a prayer at a whole different level. Prayer below the surface. It's a great prayer. One more. One more prayer below the surface that Paul offers has to do with the wealth of God's power. The wealth of God's power. Verse 19 speaks of his incomparably great power for us who believe. Not just great, incomparably great. Again, in the original language, I thought this was kind of interesting. The word incomparably is translated in the Greek, hooperbalo, and it means in another sphere altogether. Oh, that you could know the power within you that is literally out of this world. The power that you have as a child of God. Now, notice Paul did not say, I pray that you will receive that power. What do you say? Oh, that you would access the power you already have. Sometimes I think people make a big mistake with that. They'll pray like this. Oh, God. Give me the power to forgive. I think that's short-sighted. The fact of the matter is, you've already been given the power to forgive. How much better to say, in the name of Jesus, the one who has forgiven me, I now choose to forgive. See the difference? Don't pray for power to forgive. You've been given the power to forgive. Take your stand in the power and forgive. Oh, God, I pray that you would give me the power to share my faith with great boldness. Don't pray that prayer. Rather, Lord, in light of the power I have been given, in light of the power that already is mine, I declare that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I, by your power, will stand tall, and I will talk confidently, and I will not be ashamed. Do you see the difference? Don't pray for power. Access the power you already have. This is the kind of prayer. Oh, he said, I pray that you will access the power you already have. You already have the power to pray bold prayers over people, to pray in Jesus' name for that marriage to be restored, to pray in Jesus' name that those kids come home, to pray in Jesus' name that those sicknesses be eradicated and those people be healed. Oh, that you would learn to pray in the power that you have. What a great prayer. What a great prayer. What would it be like if we began to start praying like this? What crises could be averted? What situations could perhaps never happen? Because we're praying 
Bold prayers. Big prayers. Prayers below the surface. We can do it. We can do it. So here's what we're going to do in the time we have left. You got in your notes uh, some blanks. And we're going to do two things with this. One, I want you to pray this. I want to pray this over you, and I want you to pray this for yourself. So the first one, I want you to put the words I, me, or my in the blank. And we're going to pray this over you right now. Ready? He begins, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, you may say, may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which he's called me. Good plans. And his incomparably great power for me who believes. What a powerful prayer for you to pray for yourself. Here's something else. Can you imagine the power unleashed if you would pray this over somebody else, just like Paul did? So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to mentally, if you have a writing utensil with you, give a moment of thought. Who would you like to pray this for? In your family? A friend? Someone you're discipling? Who would you like to pray this and be able to practice right now? Got a name in mind? All right. Either you write it in the blank or just mentally put it there. Here we go. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give who? May give her, him, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that she may know him better. Oh, that she would see God for who he really is. Oh, that he would see God in all of his glory. Oh, God, open his eyes. Open her eyes. I pray that the eyes of, put their name in there, of their heart may be enlightened in order that, who? May know the hope to which he's called them. Oh, that they may know that you have good plans for them. Oh, that they may understand that your warnings are for their good. Oh, that they would grasp the fact that you care not only about then and there, but here and now. And finally, in his incomparably great power for them. Oh, Father. May they learn to walk in the power that is theirs. May they exercise the power that they already possess. May they access their inheritance already as they walk on. Do you think that would make a difference if you'd pray that over your kids? Do you think that'd make a difference if you prayed that over your spouse, a friend, someone who's struggling? That rather than going to the crisis at hand, and to be sure, lift it up. 
Go into the immediacy of the need they have now. And yes, absolutely. But what if you prayed at a whole different level for them? Below the surface. Could it be that we see some amazing things happen? Paul says from the very first, I have not stopped praying for you. But he prayed big prayers, conquering prayers. Could it be that we would see amazing answers if we would follow his lead. I hope that you do start doing this. So here's what I gave you. Notice the, uh, the list of verses on your notes. I went ahead and wrote down a whole series of references of prayers like this one. Here's a suggestion. Write these things on three by five cards. And as you pray for your friends, your family members, just rifle through these big prayers. Okay. Okay, yeah, I pray that somehow she could pass her finals. I'm going to pray for that. And I'm going to pray that somehow, some way, they would get through this, this, this tiff in their marriage. Absolutely. But what if you begin adding to those prayers, these prayers? Maybe, just maybe, you'll see even bigger answers than you hoped for. Amen? Thank you for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you would like to have a copy of the prayer from Ephesians 1, along with a list of other passages you can pray for yourself and for others, we've made them available in this episode's show notes. You can download a copy at davedeselmministries.org slash podcast slash 089. And as always, Dave enjoys hearing from you, our listeners. If this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselministries.org. And then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.